as creating a harmony or finding a harmony with the four great elements, the elements that make up this world and our life, that create the world and dissolve the world. That's why they're called the great elements. Also, I want to ask if somebody would turn, whoever turned that blower on would turn that off. Just leave the windows open is probably enough. In the invitation to do meditation practice from the Buddha, in the mindfulness, the discourse on mindfulness practice, it begins with an invitation that says there is a most direct and wonderful way to overcome grief and sorrow, to realize purification, to live in a free and awakened way. And this is the establishment of awareness, the full establishment of awareness in our life, to pay attention to it. And then the Buddha goes on to say, for those who would do this practice, find a peaceful place outside, under a tree, in a quiet room. Sit upright with dignity and become aware of the breath that moves through your body, of your life breath. Be aware of the feelings and the thoughts which arise. Notice the desires, and fears, all the stories that come and pass. Notice the openness of mind and the contraction of mind. And as you become still, being aware of the breath and the feelings, the body and the mind, also a way for you to understand how to live wisely is to become aware of the direct elements that make up this body of life. There are in this physical body or this life we've been given the earth element, the water element, the fire element, and the air element. And by seeing them skillfully, paying attention to how they arise in this very body, you can find a harmony and ease of freedom in this life. So when we begin to meditate and pay attention, there is a kind of opening, a presence that we establish, a letting go into the moment that is here, and a letting go of the ideas and plans and thoughts that we have, a resting in the reality of life, the direct experience. And that's what these elements speak of, of being alive in this moment. We've had so much rain, as everyone knows it's like time for Noah and his ark, probably. Forty days of rain. It's probably been more like 25 or 30 or whatever, but... There is a, one of the earliest poems from the Buddha. He was wandering in the first years as a monk, and he came across a herdsman, a wealthy herdsman with great flocks of sheep and cows, the herdsman said to him, I boil my rice, milk my cows. I live together with my fellows in our homes along the banks of the Mahi River. My house is covered, the fire is kindled, therefore, if thou like, rain, O sky. And the Buddha replies, 
I am free from anger, free from stubbornness. I am abiding for only one night on the banks of the Mahi River. My house is uncovered. The fire of craving and grasping is extinguished. Therefore, if thou like, rain, O sky. And the herdsman says, Gadflies are not found with me. In the meadows abounding with grass, the cows are roaming. They can endure the rain if it comes. Therefore, if thou like, rain, O sky. And the Buddha replies, I have made a well-constructed raft, passed across the current to nirvana, reached the farther shore, overcome the torrent. Therefore, if thou like, rain, O sky. And then the herdsman, in the kind of patriarchal way of the time, he says, My wife is obedient, not wanton. For a long time we have been living together. She is winning, I hear nothing wicked of her. Therefore, if thou like rain, O sky, wives as possessions in those times. And the Buddha answers him, and he says, My mind is obedient, delivered from all attachment. For a long time it has been beautifully cultivated and freed. There's no longer anything unskillful in me. Therefore, if thou like rain, O sky. And there's a sense in this poem of the Buddha stepping outside of the boundaries of job and home and all the things that we think about and accumulate and living closer to the world of nature. Let the rain pour down. Let the fire be lit or unlit. Let the river flow as it will. Let us rest in the truth of this life, the change of nature, which we are. We're not separate from that. One of the tasks in insight meditation, or vipassana, is to develop a capacity to shift from this body of fear, this small sense of self that worries and plans and and is contracted. You know that small self? To shift from that into a deeper and deeper letting go, a resting or a freedom in the truth of life as it changes, as it is. The more that we pay true attention to each moment of life, we move from the ideas to something more alive, a kind of innocence, uh, an awakeness. Because each moment is unlike any other that's ever existed. If you go out and look at a tree, there's oak trees or bay trees outside. And you say, oh, I've seen an oak tree before live oak or whatever. I've seen a bay tree. But that tree is unlike any one of the billions of other oak trees. And in fact, in that moment, it's unlike it ever was before. It's lost new le- lost leaves and, and put out new shoots and changed in the wind. And each moment, if you look, it's new. It's different. The same with each breath or each sunset. Life is now, this moment, that particular tree, those colors, this breath, and not our ideas. One description of dropping to this direct perception of reality is the four elements. In Chinese philosophy or Greek philosophy or teachings, medicine, they talk about earth, air, fire, and water. 
in Indian, Hindu, and Buddhist, but it's not really a philosophy. It's a description of how we directly live as a stream of sensations and thoughts. Not the past, which is what? It's just an idea, right? Where is the past? It's just a thought in this present moment. Not the future. That's just an idea. Not even a sense of our separate self, but rather the experience of energy, of the aliveness that constantly pours through us as life. And any moment of true attention, we drop beneath the plans and ideas and names, and the solidity of life, the ideas, break up and it becomes full of movement, full of vitality. Now you know it when you come and meditate. At first you sit to kind of settle down, and there are patterns of tension that start to release in the body. Just as you sit quietly, the body starts to show where it's tight and moves and opens in different ways. Powerful physical energies, kind of purification. And if you pay attention, what seems like a pain, you feel a pain in your shoulder or your back, if you feel it carefully, oh, I think that's the little lamb. It's our little, our new spirit rock lamb that follows Marianne around, right? She got it at the last retreat when its mother didn't want it, and she feeds it now every three hours as her practice. Nah. It's a black sheep. It's perfect. Gosh, how nice. So any moment you pay attention, really, instead of the word, well, we have the idea this hurts, it's pain. But what is pain? It's tingling, throbbing, fire, needles, pinpricks. And if you feel into it, it moves, it changes, it's alive. It's not pain, it's all these elements of the body opening and changing. And the same for other elements. As you feel your body, it's not a solid body. It's tingling and tight and hard and throbbing and, and pleasure and uh, all the waves of energy. Or if you pay attention and sit quietly, maybe it's not the body. Maybe it's the emotions and the moods, restlessness, sleepiness, doubt, grief, love, longing, joy regret, fear, and you feel them move like the weather, waves for a certain time. This flavor of fear, and then this one of joy, and then that one of anticipation, and that one of sadness. And to pay attention is to feel that movement of life, to give space for it to open, and sense a letting go into the pure energy of the moment to learn somehow to trust enough that we can swim in it and let the pain and the joy and all of that open, to trust that. One immediate way to let go or to experience this living reality more fully than our ideas is to sense the four elements. That's why it's recommended in the practice of mindfulness from the Buddha. Buddha said, in this fathom-long body and mind is found the entire world, bondage and suffering, 
and freedom and joy, all to be found in this body and senses and mind. Usually we look at it from the outside, certain color, certain shape, we like or we don't like. And then based on that we get, you know, us and them and the madness of racism, of black or yellow or white or tribe or culture. But really, what are we made of? We're made of the same stuff. Who are we really? I mean, who do you think you are? That's the investigation in spiritual life. When we open. One way to describe who we are is the play of these elements. Earth, hardness and softness. Air, vibration and stillness. Air is the element of vibration and movement. Fire, the element of temperature, hot and cold. Water, the element of cohesion and fluidity. And then based on these elements come the derived elements of color and odor and taste and so forth. Close your eyes for a moment, because tonight is really a kind of a meditation. You don't have to move. But just feel your body with your eyes closed and notice whether it is absolutely solid or whether there's space there where you don't feel its boundaries in some parts. And notice what makes up the sensation of your body. Areas of pressure. You don't actually feel the floor or the cushion beneath you, what do you feel down there? A certain area of hardness and pressure, temperature, warmth there, or coolness elsewhere, vibration. Well, with your eyes closed, take your hand and put it on the floor or on the seat seat that you're sitting on. And tell me if you feel floor when you touch it or seat. What do you actually feel? Floor is the name, like body is the name. You feel a certain pattern of pressure and temperature and movement or vibration. Floor is the word, the direct reality is that experience. And then let it go softly, see how it changes as you release your hand from that. The elements change. If you feel the breath, there's no such thing as breath. Sense that. What there is is tingling or coolness or pressure or movement. Breath is the word. There's space and the play of the elements. Tingling, cool, hard, pressure, temperature. Let your eyes open again. The description of life most frequently used by the Buddha is we are five streams of body and mind, a river or a fountain of sensations or these elements, a river of feelings and a river or a stream of perceptions and thoughts and a stream of consciousness that knows them. And the more we feel or sense or pay deep attention, the more that river shows itself. 
all the sense of solidity of time, of past and future, of self and other, is really made up by thoughts. It's a mirage, like water in the desert, you know, on a hot day or that highway you look up and it looks wet and it's a mirage. Or it's said like a magician who takes shells and sticks and with a magic spell makes it look like it's something it's not. Or walking at night in the forest and seeing a snake only in the morning when the sun comes out and you see that someone left a rope there, do you realize it was an illusion, it wasn't a snake at all. Well, that's true about how we hold the world and ourselves. All is mind-made, all the things that we take to be solid. Give you an example so it's not philosophical. See this $1 bill? says on the back with that great big pyramid with the eye at the top, yeah? It says, in God we trust. You know when that was put on here? When we went off the gold standard. That's right, we have to trust in something. Okay. Now, you all know it's a dollar bill. It's worth a certain amount of money, basically. But what is it really? It's a piece of paper made primarily of cotton, so it would be strong paper. So it's cotton and various other elements um, with some green ink on it. Now, if you saw a piece of paper like this crumpled on the path that was, that was kind of used and printed all over, right, um, and old as dollar bills get, um, it would be just something to pick up if you had ecological consciousness and put in the trash or put in the fire, recycle somehow, right? What makes this of any value? What makes it of value is that we all agree that it has a certain meaning. We're going to say this is worth something. It isn't really, intrinsically, it's not anything. It's just an old you know, piece of cotton with some green stuff on it, food coloring or whatever that is, right? And so all around the world people try and get this stuff. And they rape and kill and pillage and work and slave and worry and do creative things and do terrible things and all kinds of things to get this stuff and use it, right? But what is it? It's something we all made up. Is it real in itself? It's mind-made. We have made this. Isn't it so? And it's just, you know, that. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> on one level, anyway, on the realist level, it's just that. And if you don't think so, you know, wait till you die. Somebody dies, this rich man died, and they ask, well, well, how much did he leave? Everything, of course. That's what you always leave, right? That's how much he left. That's the nature of it. Right? Just as this isn't real, you are not real either. It's just ideas and, and um, how everybody thinks you are and what, all the thoughts that you have. You do the same thing to yourself that you do to the dollar. You create a whole idea of self that isn't the reality. Because we're not separate. In this paper, as Thich Nhat Hanh would say, is sunlight and the person who cut down the tree or picked the cotton and the person who designed the lettering, you know, and the, the rain from the clouds that grew the cotton. And everything is in here. It's not separate from the rest of the world. And neither are you. 
And the idea of you being separate, existing separate, is a convenient fiction, no different than that. Well, how can we experience this more deeply? The letting go, the trust of the heart in the essence of life, which is the invitation of meditation. By resting in the play of the elements. One of the Nirvana Sutras from the Chinese, the Buddha sits there and says that the the, uh, Himalayan mountains are like small seeds or nuts. And the great Indian Ocean is like a drop of oil at my foot. And the rise and fall of civilizations is but traces left by the four seasons. Rest in that place that sees life as a play of elements, of civilizations coming and going, birth and death as the play of the elements. So let's go through them as you might experience them in your life to bring this vitality. Earth the element of hardness and softness. This clay body that we have, this is made of earth. We are clay, we are minerals. This is the food body. You put food, you know, in this hole at one end, you stuff dead plants and animals in there, chew them up with the bones that hang down, these hard things made of calcium and other kinds of minerals. This is the mineral part of the body. And you grind them up. teeth, its nails, its bones, its sinew, its hair. You want to feel the earth element, you know? Try your elbow or your hip, something, or your teeth. This is earth. It's minerals that we're made of. Can you see it? Hmm? Weird, isn't it? Hmm? And we are made of this clay of the earth. We come out of it get inspired with breath and pass away. And we live on the earth for beautiful things and difficult things. Now the elements become particularly visible at the moments of birth and death. That's when you can really see them. Like at the time when when birth happens and there's this, you know, incredible gush of water and the baby comes out with this huge gush of water and the tremendous pressure, the hardness of the earth element in the process of labor. You know, and the fire element, because it's fiery in the birth canal, those who remember that experience and fiery for the mother. And the air element, which is the element of that starts of contractions in the womb and finally becomes the contractions of breathing of the child. So if you're at a birth, you see how elemental it is. Or if you give birth, you feel it. It's also true that it's very apparent at the time of death, just as it can be in meditation. This is from the teachings Kala Rinpoche gives on the Tibetan um, Book of the Dead. He talks about what it's like to be in the process of dying, the earth element. Our body begins to lose all its strength. We're drained of any energy. We can't get up or stay upright or hold anything. We can no longer support our head. The earth element gets weaker. We feel as though we're falling, sinking underground, or being crushed by a weight. Some teachings say that it's as if a huge mountain were being pressed down on us and we were being squashed by it. We feel heavy and uncomfortable. We ask to be pulled up, our pillows made higher, our complexion fades, 
our cheeks get sunken, pallor sets in. This is the dissolution of the element of earth, a death. That's why the elements are called the great elements. They make birth and they make death. But in life, not just at birth and death, you can feel it in the most simple and direct ways. Each time you take a step, you feel hardness and softness. You pick your foot up and it becomes lighter, the elements, and you feel in your leg, it becomes lighter and easier, and then you put it on the earth and it becomes hard and there's pressure and stiffness. The elements of experience, of hard and soft, hard and soft, are playing all the time. Or when you sit, you can feel your breath and there's a little bit of pressure from the breath. That's partly the earth element. Or contact from your hands or pressure on the cushion. Solidity, density. Sometimes you'll sit quietly and, and you'll feel the earth element. It's as if your body is very stiff, like stone. Sometimes it feels light like a feather. And I've had to open my eyes and peek sometimes to make sure I wasn't floating because the earth element becomes, the, the sense of, of lightness becomes so apparent in some moments. So we are made of earth, clay, and then the breath breathes through this clay. We rest on our mother, the earth, that's what, who made us. And the earth is also forbearing. The image from the night of the Buddha's enlightenment is of the earth goddess when he was sitting there, attacked by the armies of Mara, and calls upon the goddess of the earth to bear witness to all the lifetimes of compassion and patience and wisdom that allowed him to sit on that spot and be awakened. Here's the Buddha's advice to his son. He says to his son, Develop a state of mind like the earth, my son, for on the earth people throw that which is clean and unclean, beautiful things and seeds and dung and urine, and the earth is not troubled or repulsed, neither grasps nor resists. So as you grow, grow like the earth and develop a state of mind in which all things arise and pass and you are at peace. This is teachings to his son. There's a kind of trust that comes as we sit and take our seat on the earth, halfway between heaven and earth, a trust that comes of this that we're made of, that we belong here, that we are of the earth, a trust in our heart, a trust in a compassion and uprightness, that as we sit here with the joys and sorrows that the Buddha also faced, that is every human's birthright, that we can open to these and bow to these. We discover as we sit on the earth this great capacity of heart not to possess or own, but to rest open in the change of life. Again, from the early teachings of the Buddha, some children were playing beside a river. They made castles of sand and each child defended their castle and said, this one is mine. They kept their castles separate and wouldn't allow any mistakes about whose was whose. And when the castles were finished, one child kicked over someone else's and destroyed it. And the owner of that one flew into a rage and pulled the other child's hair and struck him and cried, He spoiled my castle. Come on, some of you, my friends, let's punish him. And they all came and pushed over his castle. 
And then they went on playing in their sandcastles, each saying, this one's mine, no one can have it, keep away, don't touch. Mm -hmm. Then evening came and it was getting dark and they all thought they ought to be going home. No one now cared what became of their castle. One child stamped on his, another pushed theirs over with both hands. The waves came up and washed another away and they turned away and went back each to their own home. The element of the earth that plays through us that we are a part of. Feel that. Then the fire element that also makes up our life, that is within us. We are made of the light of stars that became from starlight the hot magma of this planet and then cooled down. Long ago, everything on this earth was part of the flaming sun. You have stars in your bones, in your cells, in your being. You are a congealed star. It's literally true. It's where you came from. So you were fire, and you can still feel the fire. Fire is the element of hot and cold, like earth is pressure and hardness and solidity. And you can feel it, the warmth of heart, the warmth and strength of digestion, the heat of a fever when you're sick the warmth of a body when you touch another person. And as we sit, we begin to feel the play of temperature in our body. The room gets cool or it gets hot, but inside then we respond and our skin has different temperatures in different parts. And sometimes you can be in a cool room and get very warm or a warm room and be cool. There's a kind of rapture that comes that's called cold rapture. And all these tinglings fill your body. Or times you meditate and there's great heat, flames, it's like a purification inside. The heat energy comes, sometimes with anger or fear. Here's a poem that you know from Robert Frost. Some say the world will end in fire, some say in ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I hold with those who favor fire. But if it had to perish twice, I think I know enough of hate to say that for destruction ice is also great and would suffice. The world of fire and ice, it's what we live in. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.